I saw a chicken crossing the street. And immediately I was like, I, I need to get out there. So I turned the corner, I stopped my car in the red. I don't, it doesn't even matter at this point. I get out of the car, I run towards this chicken and they entered this gated area. And I, could, I understand immediately what happened. This gated area was leading up to a live market, a live animal market. Yo, 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 what is up, Ryuji here, and welcome back to the Animal Advocate Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate you. Now, today I want to talk to you about the animals that I failed to save. And the reason I want to talk to you about this is because just by virtue of you having the animal's best interest in mind, you will be in situations where there will be animals in front of you who are suffering, who are in need of help. And those are very difficult situations to be in. And I want to talk to you about these experiences because, you know, this has happened to me more times than I remember. And sometimes I have succeeded in helping the animals who are in front of me, but other times I have failed. And it still breaks my heart today that I failed. Uh, and I want to share these experiences with you so that you may in case you haven't maybe experienced these types of situations yet, you can learn from my mistakes and you can kind of feel my regrets instead of having situations that you regret yourself. And more importantly, hopefully this might help you in a situation where there's an animal in front of you and you are actually able to help them in the way that's the most beneficial to them. That's really my goal with this. And one, a, a future episode I want to do on the animals that I succeeded in rescuing, if that's something that you're interested in hearing about. Um, I think it'd be cool to kind of hear both sides of the story uh, or both such scenarios that can happen, I guess. But uh, I want to concentrate on my failures today because, um, you know, I just want to share a lot of my failures with you because I feel like that's in a lot of ways more valuable than successes right? Because you can learn from failures a lot more in my experience, at least. So like I said, the reason I want to talk about this is because just by you being vegan, thinking about the animals, you will encounter animals who are suffering. Of course, you walk around the world and what do you see? You already see animals everywhere who are exploited in all sorts of ways. You see the dead bodies of animals who are killed against their will that people are eating everywhere. There's a park near where I'm staying right now, where there are ponies who are being exploited for their backs, where children ride them. And it makes me so angry and sad to see that. But you just see that everywhere. But on top of that, because you have this mindset of having the animal's best interest in mind, when you encounter animals directly in front of you who are injured, who are lost, who need help, who have maybe, uh, you know, straight away, is that how you say it? Who have broken off from their families, baby birds and stuff like that. Well, you're going to want to help them. You're going to notice that. And it's going to hit you very differently than it might have hit you before you became vegan or before you were an animal advocate or activist. However, you, you know, the, the words are not important. <laughs> okay, but I think you understand what I'm saying. And it's interesting because when I became vegan, one thing I noticed is that it felt like there were so many more animals 
who are suffering. I would see stray dogs everywhere. I saw animals who are, who have been killed on the side of the road much more frequently. I would notice injured animals much more frequently. Walking around Paris here, I see pigeons who are injured very frequently. And I think to myself, I, I don't think this many animals used to be injured, right? I, I, was it always this bad? And the answer is, yeah, I do think it was always this bad. I just think that's now that I am vegan, now that I do speak up for animals, it's much more apparent. I just notice it and I just am able to see and understand that these animals, they need help. They're in pain. They're suffering. Someone should help them. And now I'm fortunate to be in a situation where I'm fairly well connected in my community. So when I encounter a situation like that, I have people to call, to ask for advice, to ask for help. But it it wasn't always the case. And I remember that when I first became vegan, encountering situations like this was very confusing. I didn't know what to do. And I really wanted to help the animals who were in front of me. But I didn't know how to go about it. And that ended up causing me regret. And, and more importantly than that, it caused the animals to suffer. And I really wish I could help them. So anyways, to get into the stories, the first story I want to tell you is a story in Japan. So this was the summer of my first or second year as a college student. And I was on a trip in Japan with, at the time, my girlfriend, a friend of mine, and his girlfriend. We were around Kyoto. We were visiting a bunch of cities around there. And one day we decided to hike up this mountain and the selling points of this mountain and the reason we decided to go on this hike was because supposedly at the top of this mountain was the ruins of an old castle. And we just thought that was really cool. So anyways, we hiked up this mountain. We figured out how to get there. And sure enough, as we got towards the top of the mountain, it became very foggy. And we started seeing these remains of brick walls and just these bricks <laughs> lying around. And as we climbed further and further up the hill, we got to the top and we saw the dilapidated remains of a castle. And most of it was gone, but you could see the base, some some parts of walls and stuff like that. It was actually really cool and it was foggy. It really felt like we were in a video game, to be honest with you. And while we were up there, we decided to have a meal to eat the vegan food that we brought with us. I was vegan at the time. So we sat down, we took out some of our food, and as we were eating, out of the corner of our eyes, we see this tiny cat who's hiding beneath this stone structure that might have been a bench or something like that. But this tiny orange cat was just sitting there. And being the animal lovers that we were, we went to see this cat to try to figure out if they were okay. Now... I didn't have the skills back then to really determine if there was anything wrong with them. I don't really know. They just looked like a kitten to me. But we had this entire discussion on what, what are we going to do about this? Because it's not like there was any food around here. No one was here. This wasn't a very popular tourist destination or anything, which meant that there are not going to be a lot of people here. I mean, we didn't... Cr like encounter anyone on our way up that I remember. So it was pretty much just us. And we were talking about, we don't know if this cat is going to survive out here. 
Well, first of all, how did they get here? We have no idea. How did a cat get to the top of the mountain? I mean, I, I really doubt that they just walked up here of their own accord. It really looked like someone just kind of dumped them there. Or maybe they they were just living there and their family was living there for a long time or something like that. But something seemed off because, I mean, this was a really tall mountain and really there was no, I mean, what are they going to eat? You know, I, I, I really don't know. So... We talked about it, we talked about it, and we, we gave the cat some food, some water, and finally we decided, well, even if we bring them back down, what are we going to do with them? We, we don't know what we can do with them, so we're just going to leave them there and hope for the best. Now, I was already regretting the whole, the whole thing at, at the time, but really, I, I don't mean to make this about myself, so let's not even talk about that, but... We started walking down the mountain and because we went down a different way from which we came up, we actually encountered a temple. There was a temple somewhere like midway down the mountain or something like that. And it was really cool. So we entered and we met the people who are running the temple and we talked about a bunch of things, but one of the things we talked about was that cat. And so I asked them, did you know that there was a cat up there? Do you, do you know who they are? Do they live there? What's the deal? And the person who was running the temple, they frequently went up the hill. So they went on that hike and they told us, I, we have never seen this cat before. We don't know who they are. But as they did have a dog in the temple that was also a rescued dog, they let me know that, hey, you know, we're, we'll go up and take a look. And if we can find them, we'll take care of them. So that gave me some sort of relief. And I thought to myself, okay, that's great. That's, you know, really, I wish we'd have taken the cat with us so we could have just brought the cat there and that would have been a very happy ending but and really even at that point actually now that i think about it we should have offered to go back up there get the cats come back and then um just have the cat lift there i think that would have been the ideal thing for us to do that's really what i believe we should have done at that point but we didn't do that we just left um, but that being the case i kept in contact with them so i took a phone number and a few days later, and I should have done this sooner, but I, I don't know why. Okay, I really don't have an excuse, but I waited a few days and maybe three or four days later, I called them and I said, hey, it's me. I visited a few days ago. I was wondering if you found that cat. And they said, no, we did not find that cat. So we went up there, but uh, we couldn't find the cat. So we, we don't know what's up. Um, I forgot if I followed up one more time after that, but that was pretty much that first story and I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. You know, I, I regretted that for a long time and I, I really beat myself up over it because this could have really been handled in, in such a better way. And the lesson that I learned from that experience was that when you, when you think something is wrong, just, you know, okay, f first of all, be educated on, on being able to know when something is not right and when something is not right, take action immediately before you know what you're going to do. I'll talk about this in the episode I do about the animals that I did successfully rescue, but all the situations had a happy ending because I essentially, or not, not just me, the people that I was with, but we acted before we knew exactly what we should do. And when someone is suffering in front of you, whether they're human, whether they're non-human or human, I believe that you should act before you know what to do because 
if you are paralyzed by not knowing what to do, you're paralyzed by fear, insecurity, discomfort, whatever it is, well, chances are it's not going to be a happy ending. And in that case, I have no idea what happened to that uh, that little kitten. I uh, I hope it was a happy ending, but really I have, I have no way of knowing. And uh, if not for our lack of action, we could have had a, that, that story could have had a much better ending. Uh, these are the types of experiences that, you know, I, I sure have had, and maybe you have had as well. Part of the reason I want to share these is because maybe you listening to this right now, you relate to a story like this where you think to yourself, hey, I've, I've went, I went through something like this. And by the way, one thing I want to talk about at the end, but I, I might as well address it right now since it's coming to mind, is that you might feel this. And I felt this for not just the animals that were in front of me, but also all the animals that I failed to speak up for, all the animals that I failed to see uh, that suffered as a result of my habits for the majority of my life, consuming animal products and not understanding that animals were not commodities. Um, when I think about all the animals who have been killed, exploited as a result of my selfishness and my really my ignorance, that really broke my heart a lot for a long time and it still breaks my heart. But one thing that I do want to share though is that one thing that has personally helped me a lot and like I said, this whole thing is not about me and, and really the experience of the animals is much more important than your experience. That being the case, it doesn't mean that your experience is not important as well. At least that's my opinion, my understanding. But to me, one thing that's helped me is learn how to forgive myself for these mistakes. Because if I don't learn how to let go of these experiences, then nothing good comes out of that. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help me help animals. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going to learn the lesson from these experiences. I do learn the lesson. And like I said, that experience with the cats taught me that, hey, I'm not going to let this happen again. And I, I've had, I failed a few times, but I've also succeeded because of that experience, right? So I'm always going to learn from it, but that being the case, beating myself up over it forever really doesn't help anyone. And forgiving yourself is very difficult, or for me, it has been very difficult, but uh, it is something that I would recommend working towards because it will just ultimately help you help animals in a much more effective way. There's this expression that you might have seen or you might have thought yourself that the only thing we need from animals is forgiveness or that we don't deserve the animal's forgiveness. And I don't know, maybe that's true. The second one, I don't believe that what we need from animals is forgiveness. I don't, I don't we don't need anything from animals. <laughs> like animals just need to be free. We, we don't need anything from them. That's my opinion. But in terms of we'll never deserve forgiveness, I don't know. I, I disagree with that. If only from a practical standpoint, I think it's much more practical to believe that we do, we do deserve forgiveness. We do deserve to, not from them, because that's really, you know, no animal is holding a grudge against you personally right now, or maybe in a one-off case, but the billions of animals who are suffering in the world, they don't have a grudge against you personally. It's not about them forgiving you. That's just a selfish way to think about it. But really it's more about you forgiving yourself because if you don't forgive yourself and you hate yourself for that, in my experience, at least it's, it's just slowed me down. It's just made it so hard for me to communicate with others. It's made it so hard for me to live my life. I still struggle with enjoying myself 
and having fun and feel guilty. But these are things that I, I, uh, I try and I thrive, not thrive, strive <laughs> to let go of because I believe that if I'm able to let go of that, then I will be much more effective. And actually, one experience that this is not the topic of today's episode, but I'll talk about this at some point, is one experience I had of letting go of all that guilt, I noticed that immediately after I let go of that, I was able to connect with humans on a much deeper level, which led to much more productive conversations with them, much more uh, much more heart-to-heart, where what happened is that because I wasn't able to forgive myself for the longest time for my mistakes in the past, I hated myself and that made it so that when I talked to people, that hatred kind of came out and it made it very unpleasant for people to talk to me. And if you find yourself always getting angry at people or when you talk to someone and you try to talk to them about animal rights, it feels very toxic, then this might be what's going on is that you hold so much pain inside you that you haven't let go of that it just manifests itself in an unpleasant and toxic way when you're communicating with others. Not guaranteed that it's that, but it's something that has definitely happened to me and I have definitely gone through that. And uh, forgiving myself, letting go of that pain has uh, really helped me move forward and communicate with people in a way that's not toxic, in a way that's uh, loving and connected. So anyways, to move on to the second story. The second story I want to tell you actually happened in Los Angeles. I was driving down the street about to turn the corner and all of a sudden at the corner of my eye, I see this animal crossing the street and immediately I'm like, what is this animal crossing the street? I thought that they were a dog, but then as I looked closer, I realized it was a chicken. I saw a chicken crossing the street and immediately I figured out what was going on. Anytime you see a loose chicken, it means they escaped from somewhere. Either they jumped off a slaughter truck, maybe they walked out of a slaughterhouse, something like that, a live market, you don't know what's going on. But I saw this chicken and immediately I was like, I need I, I need to get out there. So I turned the corner, I stopped my car in the red. I don't, it doesn't even matter at this point. I get out of the car, I run towards this chicken and they entered this gated area. So straight away, I enter the gated area and I I understand immediately what happens. This gated area was leading up to a live market, a live animal market. And I was like, this chicken, a chicken escaped. I need to get them. So I went there, I walked around, I tried, I couldn't find them. I didn't know where they went. So I circled the building and I eventually arrived at an alleyway kind of behind this row of buildings. And I heard, I I heard this chicken crying out. So I looked and I looked and I looked, I couldn't find them. I went back around more towards the slaughterhouse or the the live markets. And after frantically walking, my heart was beating so fast at this point because I was, I was so like, I got to find them. I got to find them. I got to, and I couldn't find them. And it was, it, it was, man. But anyways, eventually as I was walking, I see a man walking towards me, holding this chicken by their legs. 
And it just dawns upon me that he found, he found them before I did. And I freaked out. I didn't know what to do. The only thing I could think about doing was I was like, let me start filming this. So I started filming, but probably not very well because I mean, I was just, I was completely freaking out at this point. I didn't know what to do. And I was thinking like, how do I, how do I save this chicken? How do I, what, what am I going to do about this, this situation? So they came and I was in the gated area. So technically I don't even think I was supposed to be there, but that doesn't even matter at that point. So they were going to walk back towards in, inside the, the life market or the, the slaughterhouse, it's a slaughterhouse, they kill animals there. And we had a brief exchange that was very awkward. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think they asked me, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm just walking around. And uh, yeah, I, I think my mind pretty much went blank and they went into the slaughterhouse and that was that. Now, I was so broken after this really because I could have saved this chicken's life, but I ended up not and they got killed, which is so sad. And, and really, again, I want to emphasize you know, as much as these experiences are heartbreaking for us and we shouldn't deny that. And I, you know, I, I felt that and I've let go of that and all that, but well, let's keep in mind who are the real victims here always. But anyways, the, the lesson I learned from that, and you'll see how this lesson plays out in the time I talk about the animals that I did rescue, but is whenever you see a situation like that, the mindset that you should have or the mindset that I want to have you know, that I committed to having moving forward is really having a mindset of extreme urgency and just doing whatever it takes to save a life. Because, you know, it can seem silly to so many people where you're like, oh, you know, I was trying to save this chicken, but I couldn't. But a life is a life. And to that one chicken, that was the only life that they had. And you know, I want to be the type of person who, if I'm in that type of situation, I want to fight for their life as if it were my own, because their life is just as important to them as my life is important to me. And there are a lot of things I could have done. First of all, I should have searched for them with a lot more urgency. Um, I remember in the back alley, there was a bunch of like trash. So I didn't want to like sort through the trash, even though I, I don't know if they could have been there, but you know, you get the point, right? I was scared that I would get caught in all, the, all this nonsense that didn't matter in the face of a potential life being saved. But I let my fear, my insecurity get in the way of me potentially saving this animal. And when they came back with the chicken, instead of confronting them, be like, hey, I saw them run away. Would you consider sparing their life? I didn't even think of saying that, of asking that. Why? Because I was too scared. I thought that maybe the person might laugh at me is the most ridiculous thing, right? But I should have... It's still at that point, I should have done whatever it takes to, to attempt to save that life as long as I'm there, as long as I'm there in that situation. All right, so we're going to jump into the third story in a little bit. But before that, a little break so we can breathe a little, chill out a little, process the emotions that we might be going through. Thank you for listening so far. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, I appreciate you. You're awesome. And I would love to hear from you. 
If there's any topic you would like me to cover, definitely let me know. The best place you can do that is at my email. Email me at peacebyvegan at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought about the show and let me know what you want me to cover. I don't get that many people hitting me up from the podcast, so chances are if you suggest a topic that's good, I will probably cover it. Apart from that, you know the drill by now. It's only the second time, but you know what? That's what it is. I'm going to recommend some anime to you. Now, I realize that a lot of you might have no interest in anime whatsoever. You might think that it's really weird that I watch anime, but if you want to get into it, an anime that I definitely recommend is a show called Death Note. You might have heard about it, but it's really easy to get into. It's beloved by almost everyone who watches it. In fact, I don't know anyone who didn't love this show. And it was my personal first anime that I watched besides watching Pokemon when I was a kid or something like that. And actually, when I first watched it, I binged all 37 episodes in 24 hours because that's how compelling the story was. I mean, it's, it's really quite it's really quite an experience. And also, they actually tackle some interesting themes that have to do with ethics and morality that you can, you can actually apply some of the thinking that is in that show to the ethics of what we do to animals. And it's really interesting to make some parallels and maybe I'll talk about that at some point. But anyways, Death Note, check it out, recommend, I love it. And with that being said, let's get back into the show. The third story I wanna share with you is not really a failed rescue attempt, but it's rather just a very heartbreaking experience that I had. And this was about a tiny, tiny, tiny being. And it was a tiny little cricket. If I remember correctly, it might've been another species of insects. And uh, I'm a horrible person for not knowing that. I should really know that, but I don't. And I can't remember how we found them, but it, it was me and my girlfriend. And we found this tiny little cricket and they were missing a leg and so they couldn't move properly or they couldn't move at all actually they were pretty much completely immobilized and we didn't know what to do about it and we finally decided to take them and put them at least in a patch of grass where they were not going to get squashed by someone walking by because i think they were on the sidewalk or something like that and i remember what happened is that maybe a half an hour or an hour later i went out to go somewhere maybe get some groceries i care it doesn't matter but I left the apartment and I walked downstairs and I saw them in the same place, still struggling. And I remember feeling so horrible about that. And about a minute later, my girlfriend came down too, because maybe I forgot something. And she saw them too. And she said, they're still there. They're still struggling. They still can't move. What should we do about this? And I said, I don't know. I don't know what we should do about this. And I could feel that she was extremely distressed about it. I was too, actually, but I was hiding it. Um, I feel because I just felt so lost. I, I, did, I didn't know what to do about it. You know, we thought, is it the more compassionate thing to end their life because they literally can't move? Should we just leave them there? I really didn't know what was best. But I wanted to share this story because opening your eyes up and opening your heart up to animals and learning to appreciate them and love them for who they are you will feel, not just understand, because it's one thing to logically understand these things, but you will feel, or at least that's been my experience, I feel emotionally like there's no life that is too small to care about. And to me, ending a life feels 
like an extremely violent act. And it is a very violent act. You're taking away someone's only life. It's such a violent thing that's just trivialized so much. And, you know, it's not just that I think it's unethical to kill a bug, an insect, but emotionally, I just can't bring myself to do it because I care about their life. I see that they care about their life and I respect that. It's interesting because I remember thinking, if I were to tell this story to so many of my friends, they probably, not so many of my, actually that's not true because I guess most of my friends at this point are animal rights people. <laughs> like, I only have like three friends, so okay, but anyways, so moving on. In the past, let's say, in the past, a lot of my friends might have laughed at me for feeling this way and thinking so much about this insect that's whose life might seem inconsequential to so many people. I remember when I was in college, about maybe a year after I became vegan or something like that, one of my friends moved into a new house and he told me how there were so many spiders around the house and he vacuumed all of them. He killed all of them. And it hurt me so much to listen to that story and I had no words to give back to him. I didn't know what to say. And it was so apparent, the gap between me and him of how we valued their lives. To him, they were just a nuisance. How do you say that word? You know what I'm saying. They were just something to get rid of that was getting in the way of him living his life and moving into his new house. To me, they were fellow earthlings with whom we share this earth who whose lives matter just as much as our lives. And look, if they're there, it's not their fault. They haven't done anything wrong. They're just living their lives. They're just living their lives. And because they're a slight inconvenience, he decided to kill them. I thought that was so horrible. But, you know, I guess I wanted to share this because this might be something you relate to. And I just want to let you know that it's not a weird thing to care about animals. It's not a weird thing to care about any animal, no matter how tiny and inconsequential their life might seem. It's beautiful. And in fact, I think that not caring is a lot more concerning. I think it's more concerning that people don't care rather than that we care. You know, the point is we're not overly sensitive for caring about these things. We're just being decent earthlings who recognize that others want to live too and that we're not the the only ones who matter on this planet. Now, the last story I want to share with you is a more recent experience that happened just a couple months ago while I was taking a walk around the city at night. It was maybe about 1 or 2 a.m. and I wanted to walk around my neighborhood here in Paris. And I decided to explore some streets that I've never really explored before. So I kind of wandered off and at some point I was next to a park and I see this street slash alleyway that looks very interesting. And all the lampposts on that entire alleyway thing, they're all extremely orange in contrast to the other ones around that were white. So I was, in, I was intrigued by these orange lights and I decided to walk in. So I start walking in and I'm like, that's kind of cool. There are houses on both sides, some plants. Okay, that's pretty cool. Pavement looks cool, whatever. And then all of a sudden on the ledge of a balcony, I see this cat and this cat immediately catches my attention because for a split second, I thought that they might be a statue 
or cats made out of ceramics or something like that. They didn't look real. I did a double take and I realized that this is a real cat. And the reason that I thought they might be not real is actually because they were they looked extremely thin, almost like they were starved. And so immediately I'm like, what do I do about this? I'm not sure this cat is okay. I don't know what's up. So they're kind of like on this on this high up ledge. So I put my hand up and they kind of look at my hand, smell my hand, you know, regular stuff when you meet someone for the first time. And I stay there for a long time. And one thing I notice is that, well, first of all, they obviously don't look like they're very healthy. And also they're not moving at all. Or like by not moving, I mean, they're not going away somewhere. And so I think to myself, maybe they don't have any energy. I don't know what's going on. And after a while, I tell myself, okay, I need to investigate this more. So basically what I do is I climb, I climb this ledge because I couldn't just reach them. I had to climb a little bit. So I climb over and I pick them up. I get back down. And as soon as I'm down, I just, they, they were kind of like claw, trying to claw their way out. So I was like, you know, I don't want to force them to stay in my arms. So I, I kind of let them go. And then they just darted away um, on this lower ledge. And the next time I went up to them, they basically left uh, and they went bef- behind a fence that I couldn't get through. The next day, I came back with some water and some food in two uh, little boxes, like some Tupperware stuff. And I left it around the same place that I found them, um, but they weren't there that time. But I kept walking around the neighborhood. Maybe, I was like, maybe I'll see them somewhere else. And it just so happens that I saw someone walking their dog. And as I do when I'm feeling social, <laughs> I kneel down and I said hi to the dog. <laughs> I love saying hi to when, when dogs are walking with humans. I love saying hi to the dogs before I say hi to the humans. Um, I think this whole thing of like, can I say hi to your dog is a, a little bit strange because I'm like, the dog can decide on their own whether or not they want to say hi to you. Like, I don't really need someone's permission. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I knelt down and it, this dog didn't really come towards me, which is fine. They're free to do whatever they want. And then I see their human. And so I say hello to their human. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? They're like, I'm doing good. How are you? And we start talking to I me, mean, what's, what's their name? They tell me their name, um, the dog's name, and then their own name. And we start chatting. Do you live around here, et cetera, et cetera. And then I have the brilliant idea of asking them about this cat. I'm like, hey, do you know a white cat that, that lives maybe around here? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they actually knew about this cat. So they told me the whole story of this cat. And basically, it, it turns out that they live with an old lady, apparently, and sometimes she leaves her cats out. And apparently there are two cats, which I've only seen one to these, to this day, I've only met one, but two cats. And one of them is blind apparently, but they live with her allegedly. And sometimes apparently she leaves them outside while she leaves on trips or so. It's not really clear. I'm not really sure what the deal is, but she told me that she actually saw those cats before and she almost took them away. And then she asked the local vet about it. And the vet said, oh yeah, the, these cats, they live with this lady and everything's fine. So I don't know if everything's fine, but that's what she learned from the local vets. Um, I, I've i never, you know, I've met, I've seen the cat again once, but I wasn't able to approach them because I feel like they didn't really trust me. Like 
they saw me coming from far and then when I went up to them, they left. So um, I, I did a poor job at, at building trust um, or I really broke their trust by picking them up when, you know, I, I don't think they wanted to be picked up. And anyways, I didn't respect their personal boundaries. So understandable. But regardless, that was a very difficult situation. And still to this day, I'm not sure what I should do. Um, you know, and oftentimes when I go for walks, I always go around that area to see if they're going to be out. And I really, I've only seen them once since and just one of them. Um, so I really don't know what's the, what's the best thing to do here. I'm like, should I have taken them the first time I met them? I, I really, I really don't know. I don't know what was the correct course of action. I wanted to share these stories with you again, because these are things that you will probably experience. And if you don't, I don't really know what that, that doesn't really have any special meaning, but even for someone like me who I spend the majority of my time indoors working on my computer, just the small number of times that I go out, I always run into these situations. And it's not because there are more of these situations now that I'm vegan, now that I'm an animal activist, it's just because these animals are always out there, but I'm now in a position and in a mindset to notice them and I do notice them. And now also I have some tools um, and some acquaintances that can help me help them. So that's the only difference, but these animals were always there and you will see them. And if there's one thing that I would love for you to take away from all these stories, which I hope they affected you in, in some way or another, I was going to say, I hope you enjoyed them, but they're not really enjoyable stories. So I guess, sorry that this was a bit of a downer. Uh, I hope this was valuable either way. But if there's one thing I want you to get out of it is that you will be in those situations. And when you're in those situations, I really want you to give it your all. Really put yourself in the animal's position and don't just write it off like, oh, you know, someone else is going to deal with this or I can just forget about this. Really do everything in your power to help them. Because if you don't, no one will. No one will. Because the fact is, most people just simply don't care enough. Most humans who, according to them, care about other humans, can't even stop to help another human being. They won't even do that. Because people are... And it's not because we're bad people. It's just because, at least in my understanding, people live in autopilot. And when you're living your life in autopilot and you're caught up with your own problems, it's sometimes difficult to stop and care about someone else's problems when you can so easily dismiss that, walk away, not feel guilty. It's so easy to ignore suffering that could be right in front of you. And if you and I don't become conscious of this and act in order to do something about those situations, Really, there are very few people who will who will take action. And this goes beyond the suffering that you see immediately in front of you. Because that's the reason why we're vegan in the first place. That's the first that's the reason why we speak up for animals in the first place, right? Because all these animals, they're suffering, they need our help, but they're not necessarily right in front of us. I think that's becoming aware of the suffering in the world is a very painful experience. Obviously not as painful as those 
who are enduring the suffering, being able to learn about it instead of enduring it is really a privilege. But that being the case, it's still a difficult experience. It doesn't take away from the fact that it's a difficult, difficult experience from us. Well, it is true, but I don't think that ignoring it is the way to go. I really don't believe so. I think that it's actually much more beautiful and even selfishly fulfilling to become aware of it, to think about what can we do about this and then do something about it. If we want the world to be different in any way, shape, or form, it's up to us to make that happen. It's up to you and me, people who care, right? So I didn't mean for this to get as preachy as it did, but <laughs> I really hope this resonates with you in some sort of way. Now, before you go, just some quick updates if you're interested. For the podcast, we are going to have guests. Yes, you heard it right. After 10 solo episodes of just me, just my voice, you will hear from other people. And I am very excited because I want to make sure that every guest that comes on here has something very unique to offer you. My commitment with all my content on all my different platforms, whether it be this podcast, my Instagram, my YouTube, is I don't want to waste your time. And so the same thing with the guests that I have on here, I want to make sure that what they have to offer is valuable to you. So I hope you look forward to that. Apart from that, if you would like to support this podcast and the other work that I do, because by the way, I'm working on huge projects or one project at a time. But right now, I'm working on a huge project for YouTube that I'm very excited about. I think it's going to be very uh, valuable. I really hope so. But anyways, if you want to support my work, this podcast, then you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash peace by vegan for as little as $1 per month. And uh, I'm so grateful for all my supporters on there. If you're a supporter listening, thank you. You are awesome. And it's thanks to you that I'm able to do this wonderful work. If you don't want to or are unable to do so, it's totally fine. Another way that you can support this podcast is you can simply leave a rating and a review. Uh, that helps a lot because when I invite guests onto the podcast, I'm able to show them, hey, look, people actually enjoy this podcast and reviews are one of the best ways that I can do that. And that will allow me to get guests that are quote unquote more high profile that might be more difficult to get in touch with, but that have a lot of value to offer. Thank you again for your time. I appreciate you so, 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 so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, let's keep defending animals. Ah!